Today, we are going to be reviewing four films, Resident Evil The Final Chapter, Gold, Triple X The Return of Xander Cage, and A Monster Calls. We're going to be getting in some upcoming film talk and getting to some news, so stay tuned. Welcome to The Real Review. Welcome to The Real Review, sponsored by Parametric and Lazy Ape Studios, where you get some of the latest happenings, real thoughts, and perspectives in the world of TV and film. I'm here with Matt. He didn't start the fire, hey? <laughs> and who am I today, Matt? And I am with Joel Topher Grace Cunningham. Topher Grace, really now? Yeah. 70s show guy. Yes, and Spider-Man, and a number of other... Oh, Win a Date with Tad Hamilton, one of his more <laughs> noteworthy productions. Um, You're no. not the first person to actually call me that, is the sad reality of it. When I first met you, I told my wife, I was like, he kind of looks like Topher Grace. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I can kind of see that. Yeah. So, hey. I've been all over the map. You know, on a good day, I get Bradley Cooper's younger, not as good looking really? brother. Yeah. Really? And then on a bad day, I tend to get Harry Potter. So. <laughs> <laughs> I've awesome. gotten Elijah Wood as well. I mean, do you get any, anybody saying what you look um, like? Um, No. Oh, all right. We'll no. make you a Matt Hay because okay. you, you've got your own look. You've got your own style and feel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so for <laughs> all of you that are listening in or for our very first times, greetings and just welcome to the podcast. Uh, for those who, who are listening for the very first time, this is a podcast where we deal with film and television and we talk about things in a way where we kind of try to find the middle road between the fan and the critic perspective. So we give you both a little bit of a fan perspective on Matt from, yep. from Matt's side of things. And I tend to be a little bit more critical at times. And so yes. We kind of try and find that middle road with our perspectives and uh, we also wanted to let you know we are ending something we are having an ending to our contest which we've been doing our launch contest this month and so Matt do you want to talk about that real quick yes so if you're listening to this that means it is the very last day last to get day. on board with January this. 31st yes January 31st so if you're listening to this and it's January 31st and you haven't signed up I don't know why you haven't signed up yet it's a <laughs> chance to win a $50 gift card to a movie theater of your choice all you have to do is subscribe write a review hopefully a good one <laughs> and then email us at realreviewmedia at gmail.com just letting you know letting us know that you did that. And, and that's it. Then yeah. you're entered. And then we're going to pull names from a uh, magical top hat. And, <laughs> magical internet yeah, yes. top hat. Exactly. Yeah. And that's it. Get get registered because today is the very last day to make that happen. Absolutely. And we would love to you know, give you that $50 and have you win. So definitely get signed up. It's super simple, as Matt indicated. And, you know, we also want to just encourage you guys, if you want to know more about us and news and things that are happening throughout the week, you can definitely check out our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash realreviewmedia. And we have a website, realreviewmedia.com. It's a great place to get connected as well. Yep. Yeah. So with that, Matt, why don't we get right into things and start reviewing some films? So the first film we are going to be talking about today is Resident Evil, the final chapter. And Matt, this is a film I actually have not had the fortunate or, I don't know, unfortunate opportunity <laughs> to see quite yet. So I'm going to let you lead off with this one. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the film and your thoughts on it? Absolutely. So to give you a quick synopsis on it, uh, so it's it's Picking up right after the events of the previous Resident Evil film, mm -hmm. uh, which was Resident Evil Retribution. And uh, so Mila Jovovich, uh, she's the only sur survivor uh, of what was meant to be humanity's final stand against the undead and the Umbrella Corporation. Um, <laughs> Sounds and, like a great start for any film. <laughs> right. So there's a lot of 
there's a lot of backstory. If you've seen the other Resident Evil films, there's just I can't even go into explain all of it. There's just a lot of a lot of stuff. Believe it or a, not, there's a lot to the story. Right. Yes. <laughs> but um, it stars Mila Jovovich, um, and she's the main character. Uh, we also it's also um, written and directed by her husband. Uh, who is uh, Paul W.S. Anderson. And he and uh, they've actually done the last three together, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul uh, W.S. Anderson has been um, a part of the team, mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily directorial yeah. um, every time, but the last three that they have, uh, or they've been doing that together, kind of a, I don't know, like a, a fun little side project that they're doing. <laughs> anyway, so this is the final chapter. And as you heard, if you listen to this show, the very last podcast that we were talking about, yes. I expressed my excitement for this for this film. You were super excited. <laughs> I was yeah, excited. This is your guilty pleasure, as you right. called this, it. This series is my is like a, is a guilty pleasure series for me. I've yeah. enjoyed all of them, uh, yeah. some more so than others up to this point. Joel, I watched this movie <laughs> and I came out of it hating it. What? I hated this movie. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. I um, feel like I should have put some money on this. <laughs> so I was so disappointed. I literally, I went with a friend. I said, I said, this is not going to be a good movie, but I'm expecting to have a lot of fun. Yeah. That's what I told him. And he yeah. said, me too. Yeah. And <laughs> I hated it. And I told oh, him wow. that at the end and he was like, yeah, it just wasn't, it was, it was the worst one. I agree. It was the worst one mm-hmm. out of, out of all the Resident Evil films. And again, I wasn't expecting it to be, you know, a, a, an Oscar movie, you know? Yeah. But um, going in, okay, there there are a number of different problems with it. Okay. Um, if I could describe it in one word, I'd say incoherent. Okay. Um, <laughs> the biggest thing is that I had to actually physically close my eyes during the action sequences, the way mm. in which they were edited and filmed. There were so many little jump cuts, like right. in one action sequence you had like a hundred different angles and like, yeah. and each, and each camera shot was only like a fraction of a second. Were they using any type of shaky cam? It was shaky. It was. Yes. Ooh, okay. And so it was, it was shaky. Mixed shaky it was with blurry. Quick edits. That's right. not good. Usually. I had to close my eyes because wow. it was, I, it was hurting my, my head. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't, you couldn't tell what was happening. <laughs> and, um, that's just part of it. Yeah. Uh, not, not just incoherence with like, what's happening on screen, but also the plot. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of continuity issues. A mm. lot of that is with the editing, um, not just in the film. Like there's one scene where this tank is driving. It's like a tank like thing. The tank is driving and there's a bunch of like zombies on either side of it. Yeah. But they show a cutaway and there's no zombies on either side of it. They're like 30 feet behind it. <laughs> and that's just one example of many continuity. Um, but it's not just continuity in this. It like, it forgot everything that it set up in all the previous films. Right. Um, I'm pretty sure they they either forgot or just got really lazy yeah. on the story making element of it. The dialogue is the worst that I've heard. They set up all these like unnecessary like relationships. Oh, and, wow. and they want you to um, care for these people that that you didn't just meet five minutes ago, but the main character just met five minutes ago. And, yeah. and they want you to feel sad for something that happens to them, you know? Yeah. And so they don't, there's no there's no payoff for anything and they try to add this like really clever twist at the end of it it doesn't work it's very cheesy mm-hmm. do you think they were setting it up for sort of another final chapter or <laughs> do you feel like they were just kind of trying to do something to get people on a, in an unexpected way right so 
they um they they set it up in a way in which they could do another one if they wanted to. <laughs> I I did call that one. <laughs> okay, but um number a number of different interviews there uh, with Mila and Paul is yeah. they're they're done. Right. They're done with it. They're like, all right, cool, we got the last one done, and you can kind of tell that yeah. they had to finish off the franchise. It, it felt like lazy and yeah. rushed the movie just as a whole. I would imagine considering, I mean, some of the stuff you're saying, Paul W.S. Anderson did write the last films that he directed as well. Mm-hmm. And if they're having continuity errors with the script and what happened in prior films and they were written by him, you'd have to imagine there probably wasn't too much thought put right. into the scripting of the actual film. Right. So another thing too is in the last two films that he did mm-hmm. um, with her Resident Evil films, um, the way they filmed action, yeah, was in an abundance and overuse of like super slow mo action. Right, I've seen that before. Where like they'll throw an axe and it'll do this super slow mo thing where the axe kind of rotates around the which camera, which can be really really cool in, yeah. in 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 the proper doses. Right? right. Yeah. I miss that so much in this one <laughs> because I would rather have every action scene be slow motion rather mm-hmm. than what I got in this one. It was I I I've never had to ever close my eyes like that in a movie before and just be like I can't I can't even it hurts my head. Wow. It's crazy. That is crazy. So I would say <laughs> on a scale of, you know, uh, 1 to 100, you know, where would you rate this one? I uh, 36. It's an F oh, for sure. Geez. Wow. <laughs> I'm not usually this harsh on movies, but for me to go in expecting a bad movie and to get something worse, yeah. I feel like is is bad. It's really bad. Any good elements? Anything that you liked? It's done, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm I'm ho- I'm actually hoping this thing gets rebooted in the next five to ten years, but yeah. done in a more serious way. Yeah. Um, it doesn't go to, I mean, it, it just continues on the cycle with bad video game movies um, in, in kind of if you want to contrast it to something that came out earlier was Assassin's Creed, for example, mm-hmm. um, Assassin's Creed, I wouldn't give too much of a better grade and I'd probably give it a D, yeah. uh, just because you don't care about any of the characters and some of the, the way that they, some of the choices they made in the filmmaking process of, of the story elements was really a bummer. Yeah. But, um, uh, this Resident Evil as a whole, um, I enjoyed up until this and then just super let down. Well, it's good to know. And it's something that I will be doing my best probably not to check out then anytime soon. That's all that I have to say about that. So let's go ahead and uh, how about you tell us about (laughs) the next one we have, Joel? Yeah. So the next film we're going to be talking about today is a film that I got to see. And Matt, you unfortunately have not had the chance to see this yet. Um, Fortunately or unfortunately at this point, um, (laughs) we're talking about a film called Gold, which is directed by Stephen Gaghan. Gagan? I'm not Gagan? exactly sure how to pronounce that at this point. Um, and it stars Matthew McConaughey, Edgar Ramirez, and Bryce Dallas Howard. And it basically tells the story of Kenny Wells, who's a prospector and desperate for sort of a lucky break, if you will. And he teams up with this similarly eagle, eager geologist and sets off on a journey to find gold in the uncharted jungles of Indonesia. Wow. And so I, I'll start off with the good on this film. This was a, a bit of a mixed film for me. I was kind of excited for it. I thought it had some pretty interesting elements. I felt like the trailers were difficult for me because I thought that Matthew McConaughey's character in particular was a bit off-putting, to say the <laughs> least, the way that he was embracing things. Right. Um, so when I went and I saw the movie, the what I really was left feeling with is that it kind of felt like a great film in concept, but tonally, overall, the film itself kind of missed for me. I think there was some really good story elements and some really interesting aspects of dealing with where this went. And it was always leaving me guessing, you know, suspensefully. There was actually a fair amount of suspense guessing, like, 
what is the intent of this person? What are they really trying to accomplish? Are they going to betray this person? Are oh. they going to... So there was a fair amount of intensity in regard to that. And I thought they did a really good job of keeping you guessing all the way throughout the story, all the way to the end, even when you're kind of left feeling like, is this what this is or is it not what it is? I don't want to give too much away. Really? Okay. Yeah. So there's a bit of uh, suspense. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And so that was probably the biggest strength of the film, if you will. And I would say as well, there was definitely a couple times where... Cinematography wise, it would, well, this is where it kind of gets into the unknown territory or okay. a little bit hit or miss territory. <laughs> the cinematography at times was great, but then at other times I was actually am- amazed to see there was a couple shots that were really out of focus. There was a couple shots in particular, especially in Indonesia, and maybe they were having lens trouble or camera trouble or something. But the shots themselves looked like they were having some sort of weird like aberration issues, like there was a disattached lens or something like that. Really? Yeah, and I was like really surprised to see that on like a you know major motion picture kind of film. You actually, find it was like purposeful or anything no, like that. No, that was what I I was kind of wondering. But then when I really thought about the shots, there was really no reason to leave those as blurry and as unclear. I mean, there was one shot where it's literally Matthew McConaughey is looking out into this kind of like expanse of, you know, when they're first in Indonesia and he's showing him where they're going to be going and they're going to be looking for, I'm sorry, Edgar Ramirez, his character, Michael, showing him where they're going to be going and they're going to be looking for this gold. Okay. And the shot was like really blurry the first third of it and then it kind of clears up and I thought, well, maybe they're using some kind of like focus pull technique to kind of add interest, but there was really no purpose really? for it. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, and that happened like three or four other times only within in- Indonesia though. Everywhere else it was it was kind of fine. So that's kind of the maybe good, maybe bad. There was definitely some shots that were really pr- pretty and beautiful and yeah. really done well and artistically. Um then we get into the territory of now that's just awful. And I would say unfortunately for me, and this was this was really sad, was Matthew McConaughey's character was just totally a flop for me in this really? role. Yeah. I think I'm I can appreciate what he was going for. He was going for real commitment to this character and real commitment to this role. He plays this character, Kenny Wells, who it's kind of an amount it's so this film is kind of an amalgamation, if you will, of what actually happened. It's based upon a true story of this mining company that kind of rose up and had this find in the jungles of Indonesia. And then it turns out that the find had actually been falsified. It had been a fake find. and But through this, a lot of people had invested a ton of money into it. And they'd kind of been a bunch of people. And that's why I was saying there's a lot of suspense there of wondering, okay, is this person really aware of what's going on? Are they faking things? Are they telling the truth? And so there was suspense there. But his character was kind of this amalgamation of this other character that had been the main person of that original true story. And I don't know if he was basing it. I haven't had a chance to really look into that story enough, but I don't know if he was basing it upon that man, but he went for this kind of almost like, like hick kind of Southern down on his luck, you know, you know, drunkard type character. And he had this thing with like a buck tooth that kind of stuck out outside (laughs) of his mouth. And, the the sad thing was it was for me is that um I, I wasn't able to distract myself from Matthew McConaughey enough, you know, the math Matthew McConaughey isms. So you saw him. Right. I saw character. him and I saw him as the character. Right. Whereas I feel like if this had been another person that we maybe weren't as familiar with, you really might have been able maybe if they played a character that really embraced those kind of feelings more. Right. You know, you might have been able to get more behind that type of a character and that type of a reality. Right. Um, so 
it was bad in that sense. And I think that he kind of flopped it a little bit. I think he did a decent enough job acting it, but I just really don't think he looked the role very well. Um, and I think a lot of the internal struggles that were there with the plot really came from the fact that it, you didn't really know what kind of story it was trying to tell. It was suspenseful in the sense that you're wondering who's doing what to who and why, Yeah. but it really fell apart in the sense that when I left the film at the very end, the final feeling that I had wasn't, okay, yeah, that's what I was trying to get from the film. It felt very disjointed, and I felt very much like I don't know what I was supposed to leave with, what's supposed to theme, what like idea, yeah. you know, theme goes down to basically how people interact with each other, what's the human condition, and how they're going to treat each other, yeah. and it left with a very kind of somber, sad taste of what people would do and how they would treat each other, but there's this weird kind of almost upliftingness at the same time to the film, That's weird. like yeah. that a person can do these horrible things unconsciously or unknowingly and fall into really bad things but maybe it'll turn out well for them, but it really was more of a question mark. Huh. So I would say um, overall on a scale of, you know, A to F, I gave this one about a C minus. Okay. Um, I think it hit around like the 73, 74 mark. I think if they had had a, even a better character, you know, a non-Matthew McConaughey type character in the yeah, role, yeah. Um, they, I probably would have given it maybe closer to a B kind of rating, a B minus. Maybe if it was Topher Grace. Yeah, if it was Topher okay. Grace, yeah. <laughs> now, the funny thing was I actually really thought Woody Harrelson okay. might have oh, been yeah. able to get it. You know, Absolutely. He kind of yeah. has that goofable, uh, sorry, goofy lovableness to yeah. him. Goofable. And that could goofable. be a new word. Yeah. <laughs> it was the goofableness. And I really think, you know, to keep with that, I really think Matthew McConaughey's not the goofable kind of guy. He <laughs> yeah. definitely plays kind of like the silly, lovable, charming yeah. character, whereas, you know, Woody Harrelson more plays like the down on his luck kind of bad yeah. You know, but he's probably filming Wilson or something else. So, yeah. <laughs> and the other thing that I noticed when I was looking into this more and more is that the actual writer writers for this story, and I'm guessing the director probably had a bit of writing credit for it as well, but um, you had Patrick Massette and John Zinman. And both of these guys, if you look at their writing credits, the first film that they really did uh, was Tomb Raider. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which is, you know. Oh, yeah. That's quality that right one. There. Yeah. And then after that, they really did a series of mostly television shows. They did Friday Night Lights. They did Blacklist. They did a bunch of other ones, Last Resort, The Finder. And it felt like a television show in a lot of ways. Uh, it felt like okay. episodic. It felt like they were trying to include a bunch of different characters with their own stories that were kind of jumping in and jumping out and kind of all going in their own direction. And I think that tonally fit the, didn't fit the story. Right. It felt like they needed to have a much more straightforward sense of tone and feeling yeah. with the overall story that can happen some some tv to to movie uh transitions can happen um mm -hmm. russo brothers great example of that yeah absolutely um i guess it's not working out in their case for gold <laughs> yeah i guess not unfortunately <laughs> so i may not be going to see gold yeah maybe not but <laughs> you were so fortunate enough to see another film. I don't know if fortunate is the word that I would use, Matt. <laughs> so tell us about this, Joel. Yeah. So I believe you're referring to Triple X, The Return of Xander Cage. Oh my gosh. That's so exciting. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> this film is directed by uh, DJ Caruso, and it's basically the story of Xander Cage. Well, I will say this is a sequel of sorts yes. um, to two prior Triple X films, and it basically the story revolves around Xander Cage, who's left for dead left for dead air quotes after an incident, uh, though he secretly returns to action for a new tough assignment with his handler, Augustus <laughs> Gibbons. It stars Vin Diesel, Donnie Yen, Deepika, oh, I can't pronounce this one, Deepika Padukone. It's okay, I forgive you. Yeah, and a 
bunch of other actors and actresses in this film. And uh, overall, I would just give you my synopsis right now. Wait, wait, wait a second. Because <laughs> even in the synopsis, it's he's a secret. He's like a secret agent. Yes. And then he and then in the synopsis, it says he gets assigned a tough assignment. <laughs> yeah. Well, tough is a relative term is what I'm finding in the world of Xander Cage. I think the thing that that I that somebody pointed out to me, which is so true about this, is that Vin Diesel likes to like basically start a series and then let the let it go down the drain and then try and come back and like save it. Yeah. You know, so like he did the same thing with the need for or the sorry, the Fast and Furious, Fast and Furious yep. series. And um this is I would say a non a return to strength for him, <laughs> Vin Diesel. Um Overall, like I said, I think the film failed on a lot of accounts. I think the film was trying to do this thing where, and, and this happens with these types of action films, where they're trying to go for silly, fun, tongue-in-cheek kind of comedy action. And the unfortunate sense with this film is that you still need a bit, you still need a bit of suspense. You still need a bit of okay, wow, this is crazy. This is awesome. This film was so unrealistic and so just off the wall stupid to me at times <laughs> that there was no way that I had any sense of suspense, any sense of just emotional connection or reality to the type of film that this was trying to be. So, yeah. you know, Vin Diesel plays this character that basically at the very beginning of the film, Samuel Jackson is this guy from the very first film that kind of brought in Vin Diesel's character, uh, Xander, to be this triple X character. He's like this undercover agent guy, right? Yeah. And so in this film, it starts out with Samuel Jackson. I was actually really surprised to see Samuel Jackson revising his role in this. And the funny thing was, is after, I'm going to spoil this, I don't really care, but like after <laughs> the first 10, like five to 10 minutes, he's killed. And that's like, literally, it's like, hey, Samuel Jackson and Samuel Jackson's oh, dead. Man. And it's kind of how this whole film was for me. I was like, hey, look at that. Okay. And that's dead. Oh my god. You know, so yeah. it would it was literally this kind of like like section of really silly set pieces that kind of led to an even sillier set piece of action that was supposed to take place. And they were trying to do these things where they were trying to do like double agents where it's like, okay, well now I'm on this side and now I'm on this side and now I'm gonna betray you for this side. But nobody <laughs> cared. That was yeah. the problem. <laughs> nobody cared. Nobody that was in the movie seemed to care about which side people were actually on. Nobody that think that was watching the movie seemed to care about which side yeah. people were actually on. And they have this one thing which is they do this in a lot of movies, but it was like the MacGuffin. It was like the item that they're using to basically the idea with the MacGuffin is that it was it controlled the satellites somehow. Some and they never showed the guy. They never showed how they created it. They never showed where it came from. Basically, this guy in his basement or something created this device, which is somehow able to crack into military level grade systems that probably run on their own like system, but somehow is able to hack into those and control all of the satellites that surround the entire world <laughs> and have them crash land in different places of their choosing. Seems reasonable. Yes, very reasonable, you know? And so they never even explain how that happened. Like, that's a film right there, yeah. explaining how something like that is made, but they just kind of gloss over this. So that kind of tells you maybe the bar to which this film is setting itself. So yeah, Matt, did you, I know you, you said you had some questions for me about this film. What, yeah, what are those? so, I, okay, I already said this. I saw the first one yeah. when I was... Young, very young, <laughs> and yeah. um, yeah, I I didn't see the second one. Yeah, I had no interest in that. Uh, this one I thought was going to be like what they were going for. Yeah, fun, dumb action <laughs> yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> now, after your synopsis and after your review of, yeah. of this film, does it 
Does this tie into the Fast and Furious franchise at all? <laughs> that would have been an amazing twist. Right. I would probably, have actually love that. I know. If they had somehow <laughs> tied those two together. And I'm surprised they didn't try and do that because that would have helped the franchises, I think, for both. They would have just had the, an ongoing universe. Wait for them a both minute. Dom Toretto yeah. is also Triple X. Yeah. Crazy. The, the biggest twist, like, twist with something like that was, you know, Ice Cube makes an appearance close to the last. He's in the fours. previews. That's not even a twist. Right. Well, and that was the dumb thing is yeah. the film decided decides to treat this like it's a huge twist like it's like it in the marketing oh my gosh ice cube shows up and saves the day which first of all he didn't need to save the day um <laughs> he didn't need to show up when he did and it's not a surprise when you put it in the marketing and right. when you actually put him in credits and everything like that and so I, I, I there was a lot of stuff in this that i was just really unfortunate i donnie yen i love donnie yen he is one of my favorite um like martial arts action guys. He was in a film called Ip Man, which is probably my favorite action kung fu movie of all time. And Rogue One. And Rogue One. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a great actor, and I felt like he was really miscast for this. I mm. think he was it really looked like he was phoning it in, and that was kind of the thing that I felt like all of it. And I think this film as well, and obviously it probably would do this, but it really disrespected women in a lot of oh, ways. Really? Yeah. Okay. I, you know, obviously you're going to expect a little bit of that with this kind of like debonair rogue agent type right, thing. Right, right. But I, Vin Diesel's this character, he like literally walks into a room and every single girl is just like immediately attracted to him. And it's for like no reason, just immediately, just like, I have to sleep with this man. It doesn't. And there's a scene that comes in about, it's like a fourth of the way into the film. I know we're getting way down a bunny trail here, but he walks up to this girl and you know, they're doing this thing where it's like, Oh, well, of course they're going to sleep together. You know, she's interested in him. He's going to. And so she's like, no, you're not going to sleep with me. Instead, you're going to sleep with these seven girls. Like it just doesn't oh even gosh. make sense. It's just like, yeah. And so the whole film, I think it's just derogatory towards women in a lot of ways. I think it, um, Discre- yeah. It's a discredit to a lot of the people that were involved in it, and I just I would say very strongly, don't go see this movie. I, d- I don't think it needs to be seen. <laughs> and here's what I would say: you know, there, we talked about this in the very beginning. Um, fun action. You know, there's a way to make a film that can be non-suspenseful but can be fun. Maybe I would say the Fast and Furious films are pretty good at Absolutely. that. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But there has to be a reasonable suspension of disbelief in order for a film to be fun action. And this film goes so far into the craziness and the stupidity and just the convolutedness of making no sense with the characters and right. just the just like well it's going to be this way because we said it's this way that it removes that suspension of disbelief so far that it can't be fun for me yeah, yeah. so if you had to rate this yes. what would you rate this film as pure f f oh <laughs> nice absolutely as you can tell we have a uh, a pretty good uh, string of ratings today <laughs> yes absolutely well, we have an f a c minus and another f yes we've been hitting a lot of really <laughs> rough films recently okay well january, it's january. Hits, yeah. right so matt why don't we move into a different film then a uh, film that we're both kind of a little bit happy about and excited <laughs> to talk about uh, matt why don't you take us on this one yeah um so this this movie actually came out a little while ago, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you and I recently had the chance to see it. And um, yeah, we had to search for a film that was positive that we could both right, talk right. about. Right, yeah. right. So it's it's a monster calls. Okay. Yes. So it's directed by J. A. Bayona, um, who he did. Uh, I believe he did the Impossible. Yes. Um, he also did uh, the Orphanage. Yep. And he's also working on the upcoming uh, Jurassic World sequel. Um, and so. Uh, in addition to that, uh, the, just the synopsis of the the movie simply is a boy is seeking the help of a tree monster to cope with his single mother's terminal illness. Now, just that synopsis in itself, um, you're like, okay, I don't know about that. Um, 
until you see marketing to understand exactly what's <laughs> yeah, happening. Sounds a little strange. Right. But it stars uh, Lewis McDougal, uh, Sigourney Weaver, Felicity Jones, and Toby Kebbell. Mm-hmm. And I was really, really impressed yeah. with this movie, Joel. Yeah. Um, just really, really impressed. And we talked about it previously um, a couple shows ago about, for me, it being one of my more anticipated ones uh, of the last year, the ones from the last year that yeah. I wanted to see. And I, it hit me, it was a, it was a heavy movie. Yeah. I mean, just in itself, just a boy having to deal with his mother's terminal illness. I have three young boys mm. at home. And so I was able to relate with it on that level, man. I was, it hit me emotionally pretty hard. Yeah. I was, you know, trying to get the mist out of my eyes for the good, like last <laughs> half of the movie, you yeah. know? Um, but it, it was done so incredibly well. Um, there's there's a visual flair mm-hmm. that J. A. Bayona brings, and he's kind of he's comes from that like that kind of horror thriller right. background vibe. And there are some real like 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 shots that you would see in like a horror movie, yeah. especially like when the boys like walking to the window and like the very first time that the the tree monster yeah. comes alive. When he's first like, coming to life, this feels yeah. like a horror movie. It, yeah, it had that vibe, that sensibility. There were other shots in there as well that had that sense, and it wasn't a scary movie. Yeah. This movie wasn't scary, but I thought that visual flair added a lot of yeah. uh, weight and kind of gravity to the scenes. And yeah, stuff I mean, like that. you think of the the nightmare scenes that the boys going through. Right. You know, that's kind of how it starts, and it's kind of a reoccurring nightmare that the boys going through. And right. Those scenes are pretty intense. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. those can be pretty scary. Yeah, and um, just as a whole, I thought it was just really well done. Every 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 single part of it. Um, I don't have now. You might have more, but I don't have any <laughs> complaints. Yeah, there is one exception. Um, first off, let me just say the 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 little boy who plays Connor, his name's Lewis McDougal. So good. Yeah, so good. Really, in this really role. good job. Yep. Um, also, Felicity Jones. We last saw her in Rogue One, but yeah. she was really, really good in this as well. Toby yeah. Kebbell was in it. He he didn't have as big of a role. I do like him and everything I typically see. Yeah. Um, but that brings me to the to the one weak link. The one thing that I <laughs> I didn't fully hop on board with was Sigourney Weaver's role as the grandma. Yeah. And I don't know what it was about it. I think it was her voice. It to was be her. Honest. So it was her voice, right? So yeah. her accent. It was like she was trying to do a British accent, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a British accent. Correct. Yeah. Like it should have been a British accent because every other person in her family, yeah, was speaking with a British accent. Yes. Yeah. Um, but she was trying, and it wasn't. It didn't sound like it. It was really weird. I was. I was. Whenever she spoke, I was like, "Wait, what is happening? Where is she from?" Yeah, it. It sounded like she was doing a, a bad version of a person with a British accent. I mean, that's the best way to put it. I, I think that whoever she did voice coaching with, or if she maybe she didn't, maybe that's part of the reason why. Yeah. Um, she just kind of failed with that, and it, it really. Whenever she was on screen, it unfortunately worked to really take you out of the moment and take yeah. you out of the character because you're thinking, "Who is she? British? What? It, you know, what right. kind of voice?" So you can't. It's harder to connect with her. Yeah, yeah. Um, really, the only other thing I'd have to say about this is it's such a good movie, such a well-made film. I I wish it would have seen um, some Academy more Awards. Oscar nods. Yeah. It didn't. It didn't get anything, any yeah. Oscar nods. And I thought, my own personal opinion, I think it's up there with with all the nominees. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but uh, other than that, I don't know if the rewatchability is there. <laughs> I don't know if it's a yeah. movie I would want to watch again because yeah. <laughs> it it's such a heavy film. Yeah. But I really, really liked it. And just for me, right off the bat, if I were to rate this thing, I would give it 
it a, an A minus, like a ninety two. Yeah. I, I really, really enjoyed this movie. Yeah, I so I kind of see I'm right in line with you with pretty much everything you're saying. The film itself, I put up there with you know a Manchester. Uh, okay. Manchester yeah. by the Sea, not a mansion. <laughs> Manchester <laughs> by the Sea. It's one of those films that it's like you're glad you watched it and yeah. you're glad you went through what you saw, but at the same time, it's probably not like an entertaining film where you're right. going to like, hey, just sit down with the family and watch this. <laughs> hey, and, guys, come on over. Hang out and yeah, watch your monster calls. Yeah. Absolutely. But there's a, there's a relatability to it and there's a connection to it that you don't often see and you often get in films. And it, it's, it, it happens with really good films. And this film was such a tight film. And I don't mean that in like, you know, like the sense of like, oh, everything was just really tight focus or something. But like everything that happens in the film builds on itself. Right. And it, it all points you towards this direction and this conclusion. And it leaves you with the sense that when you finally get there of the weight of that, of the heaviness of that. And having been somebody that, you know, has, has gone through the experience of, you know, losing a father, you know, there was a relatability to the mm -hmm. way that they handled yeah. that, which was amazing because it's this young kid, you know, Lewis McDowell can't be, I don't know, more than like 10, 11, 12, maybe around yeah, that age. something like that. Um, so you're thinking, you know, how could you relate to this young child's story? But the way that he approaches that is so realistic. Yeah. And it's so honest, but they do it in a very clever way where they try to, you know, with the, the different stories that the Liam Neeson monster character, so the voice of the tree is Liam Neeson, yeah. which I thought worked for me pretty well. Oh, so good. Um, he tells these stories to the boy and you're kind of left with, how is this going to relate? How is that going to connect? And the way that it all kind of informs things later on in the story is so rewarding and is so just in, intelligently done. And you get a real sense of the cohesiveness of the characters, that the characters are going on this story arc. They're each going in their own direction. Even the relationship between, you know, um, the mom and the dad, which is Felicity and Toby, yeah. you get this real sense of, you know, they're divorced in the story and you get to understand kind of, you know, why they are, you know, why they're divorced and why they're not there with each other. Right. And they're both trying to handle this experience for themselves, but also pointed towards the kid, towards, you know, Lewis's, Lewis's character, Connor, yeah. and basically make this as acceptable and as okay as it can be to him. And right. so there's just a couple moments in the film. I mean, when he's, you know, breaking everything and when he's just, you know, th things are really happening close to the end of the story. I don't want to give too much away for yeah, people, yeah. but you really just are like, ah, man, this is so good. It's so hard, but it's yeah. like, it's so, I'm glad I experienced that. And I'm glad that I saw that. And I am personally really sad that, you know, I really do feel like this is one of those films that probably should have been included yeah. for some award, you know, best original screenplay, maybe even best actor nod for Lewis. Um, I'm really sad that that didn't happen, but I think it's a great film and I think it's a good sign of things to come for J.A. Bayona. I think oh, yeah. a really good sign, hopefully, of what's going to happen with Jurassic World. Oh, Maybe man. that'll add what I was missing from Jurassic World for me, which was a sense of depth. You know, it felt like a very kind of just passable script. And maybe a little bit more terror, like kind of yeah. adding, the, adding that uh, heaviness to it. Yeah, I the think. tension, the buildup, you know. Yeah. And there, there was a couple moments like that with Jurassic World, but it was always kind of resolved just super quick. Right. And then we're kind of like on to the next action scene. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. I, I So I as well would probably give this around an A-. I think oh, awesome. the, the big thing um, was Sigourney Weaver. I thought that there was some an amazingly intelligent and well-done cinematography as well. I think some of the shots that they did, especially with like, the way that they're wrapping in the story with the real world was yeah. really cool with the paint, you know, that he's a painter, but the, the stories that he's hearing, because it, it makes sense later, but why the stories look similar to what he's drawing. Right, yeah. You know, I thought that was really awesome. So just really good stuff. So that is going to wrap up our conversation about A Monster Calls. Let's go ahead now and move into our next section, which is going to be our upcoming film talk. And we're going to start things off with what film, Matt? 
Right. So we're going to talk about the rings, Mm -hmm. uh, the rings, I should say (laughs) rings, because um, it's not a sequel to Lord of the Rings. Right. Yeah. (laughs) That would actually probably be better idea. Potentially. Potentially. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this this week um, you can actually look forward to seeing a few movies, but more noteworthy rings uh, and the space between us. Yes. So let's start off with Rings. Um, I don't know what your history is with this franchise. I know you're not a big horror guy. Correct. But um, for for me, I I liked the first Ring movie. I thought it was pretty scary. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Second one was okay, not quite as good. Um, uh, They relied a little bit too much on some different effects in the second one. This film doesn't have anybody that we know. Mm -hmm. This film has been delayed a number of times already. And and they're finally getting ready to release it. There's no, um, I haven't heard of any press screenings happening for it. And the embargo, very it, bad sign. I know, and the embargo lifts like much later, like right before the movie comes out right. for reviews. Which yeah. that just means that people aren't allowed to talk about it <laughs> yet. <laughs> which is usually a very bad sign. People probably know this, but you know, if a studio that is releasing a film basically says that we don't want anybody from the press talking about it before it comes out, that's usually a bad sign because that usually means there's not good press that's going to be associated right. with Right. They it. don't want people saying bad things about it and keeping people away from the movie Correct. when it opens. It's very rarely that they have great things to say and they don't want anybody saying it. Right. So yeah. the trailer uh, the trailer for it and all the marketing has been extremely generic. Mm-hmm. Uh, there has been, there's maybe one scene that's kind of like cringeworthy, like, oh, okay, that's kind of like a good horror scene, but that's really it. I... The best marketing I've seen for this film is they they did this like uh, like uh, prank spot where yeah. they had like all these TVs set up and they yeah. had like the girl in like a fake TV crawl out at customers. Oh, I did actually see that. I thought that was pretty. Funny. I thought yeah. that was really funny. Um, I've seen that done with a couple other films, but I really like that, and um, I have this feeling that that's that 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 little prank is going to be. The best part, probably better than the movie, yeah, actually is. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm 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 gonna I'm typically the optimistic one, but I'm not optimistic <laughs> about this. Well, let me give we'll give a brief synopsis here. So this is basically a young woman finds herself on the receiving end of a terrifying curse that threatens to take her life in seven days, which is the standard synopsis <laughs> for every standard. Ring movie. And it's uh, directed by F. Javier Gutierrez. It stars Vincent D. Frio. D'Onofrio. D'Onofrio. There you go. There you go. Laura Wiggins and Amy Teagarden and probably a large cast of other people that are going to be dead by the end <laughs> of the film. And so I'll say this, Matt. I, I didn't see the first film. I actually haven't seen anything in ah, this. Um, okay. I was a bit not excited about when I, when I heard about the concept of it. I was immediately feeling like, okay, just immediately it doesn't make any sense to me. So I, I just don't get the reality of somebody <laughs> having a video that you would watch that would somehow result in you answering a phone that would then result in you dying seven days after that. Dude, so, it's, it's not a, it's not a, yeah, it's not a, it's not a true story, man. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird because, you know, we, we joke about like Lord of the Rings, but it feels almost <laughs> like it would have to be like a rings type scenario where people are like, like obsessed with like maybe the film like draws them in so they like have to watch it or something. I yeah. don't I don't know how that scenario would play down. What if you're gonna watch something and then you're gonna die? Then that pretty much would mean the end of that 
happening after that point, I would think. Right. At some point, how you it know? keeps getting like passed on. Right. I don't have people randomly coming up to me in the street saying like, here's a VHS tape or like, you know, going to the house and seeing a VHS tape and be like, I should watch that. You You're know? so old. What's a VHS yeah, tape? Exactly. So, so that's a thing too. In, in the first two films, it revolves around this VHS tape. Right. Yeah. We are so past that now. Right. Yeah. And, and I believe this is an online tape now. So yeah, it's updated like a, it. It's like when somebody sends, sends you like a spam email right. saying, hey, open this link. Right. You know? Which like, is more realistic, I would say. But I mean, who you does get that, that stuff. still? I don't know. I mean, the only <laughs> thing that I could think is that this, you know, there's this poor girl, I guess, that's associated with the, the curse that maybe she has a Facebook account and she's yeah. you know, sending it out like it's hot and she's boosting it. So she's getting extra views or I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this movie is going to be the best movie of the year and we just don't know. Yet. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the director, <laughs> so you've got him on board and looking at his kind of credits, and it doesn't mean it's bad, but, you know, he has really nothing to his name at this point that has really done pretty much anything significant, and his last film that he actually directed was in 2008, so, hey. you know, he's going on almost 10 years of having no directorial credit, which doesn't necessarily mean anything, but isn't a great sign, um, and then you, additionally, if you look at some of the writers you know, you've got writers that actually haven't written anything since 2017. I think the the most recent writer that you have is Akiva Goldsman. And he actually does, and he is, I would say, a pretty decently credited writer. I mean, he's yeah. got some credit for A Beautiful Mind and iRobot. Um, so he could potentially be a good writer, but you've got a team of other people um, that I'm just like, I'm not too sure about this. You've also got a guy named David Lauka, um, who doesn't have a writing credit to his name since 2012, and his last writing credit was House at the End of the Street. And so uh, it's yeah. just, it, it doesn't necessitate that it's going to be a bad film, but it's a bad sign to start with if you've got these potentially not great writing credits that are associated with it. You've got a director that hasn't done anything in almost 10 years. And um, so I'm just going to leave this one at my probably not to see. Yeah, this. right. So here, here's another thing too. And just because I like the horror side more of things, um, I think this last year, if anything, has proved that, that you can do good horror films without having a ridiculously high budget. Absolutely. So, um, and I, w- I would point to Lights Out. I would point yeah. to... Don't, uh, don't breathe, and even more recently, split. Yeah, uh, split uh, production budget nine million dollars mm-hmm. uh, has has reached a hundred million dollars worldwide. Wow, yeah. that's incredible. Rings has spent thirty three million dollars in its production. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the best business model for something like that. I think they're solely relying on the Rings like brand to carry them forward. Yeah, but. Um, same thing. Lights Out was one of my favorite horror films of last year. It's $5 million production budget and it made like $67 million. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, Rings, not really enthused about it. Uh, but that takes us to the next film opening uh, this this week mm-hmm. um, called The Space Between Us. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, this film looks kind of interesting. Um, it's, it's about the first human that's born on Mars. Um, and he travels to Earth for the first time, experiencing the wonders of the planet through fresh eyes. And he embarks on an adventure with a street smart girl to discover how he came to be. Um, <laughs> so the first first time I saw a trailer for this, I was actually really intrigued. I was like, that's kind of interesting. So it's science fiction, um, kind of set in the future a little bit. Uh, yeah, what would that be like if somebody were born on a different planet? I like the yeah. idea of that. Yeah. Um, and I will say this, this is actually, this is outside of the point, but totally stole my idea. I always thought it'd be really interesting to figure out what would happen if somebody actually had a 
child in space. I mean, right? Where are they from? Are they from? <laughs> yeah. I'm guessing the space station out right. outside. <laughs> what of the would point. that? Yeah, what would be? You, would you be an alien? I'm guessing you would be the first official alien. Yeah. And that's why I think it would be so awesome. <laughs> that know? would be crazy. Yeah, yeah. I Future was born off lookout. of the yeah. Earth. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if you can get your wife to have right. an interest in potentially that. So it stars Britt Robertson, uh, Asa Butterfield, who. Um, who's kind of who's kind of been an up and comer, but I feel like hasn't fully broken through just yet. Yeah. Um, he did Ender's Game, and I thought he was really good in that movie. Actually, yeah, I thought he did a great. Um, the movie as a whole wasn't material. all the way there that I wanted it to be, but I thought he did really good. Um, and and I'm expecting some some similarities just kind of in in how he portrays this role. Uh, Britt Robertson, I like. Um, she. She was in Tomorrowland. I mean, not mm-hmm. to say that the movie was great, but I think she's she's good and she can she has some acting chops. And, yeah. Um, Gary Oldman too. I don't know. It's it's random. Sometimes what I see Gary Oldman in, I'm like, why did he choose to do this movie? Because <laughs> Gary Oldman is a fantastic actor. Oh, he can be. I mean, Dark Knight. You know, the bat, the whole Batman trilogy was yeah you know, great and yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, and just be honest, he's just so good. But yeah. I. After seeing more recent marketing, it does get, it does have some of that lifetime movie feel to yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I'm not entirely sure how it's going to play out. You know, I, I I want it to be a good what if movie. It looks kind of like a cheesy teen romance story yeah. with this extra element of hey, I'm not from Earth, <laughs> um, yeah. and it affects me negatively in these ways. But let's see what how this affects our relationship and uh, learn about the meaning of life. You know, that kind of a thing. Yeah, I. I'm kind of similarly minded to what you're saying there at the end. I think it's taking on some somewhat melodramatic type feeling to me. It it, it seems a little convoluted and it seems a little bit like they're trying to, it's, you know, much ado about nothing. It seems almost like they're basically like setting up this giant hypothetical situation that really could be solved pretty simply, which is basically like, well, go back to space, you know, and it, yes, it, it's probably deeper than that. And the character is probably going to have some real good reason for, you know, wanting to stay on earth to be with this girl. But I mean, is it worth dying for? I mean, that's probably the main point of the story. You know, is, is she worth dying for? Is he worth, you know, giving up their life for? We'll see. I mean, it definitely has a bit of like kind of a romantic sort of dramatic, but the, the thing with the trailer that I didn't like is that it really felt like it was trying to almost go for this like intense, like thriller type thing at moments. And it really just <laughs> seems like it's more of like a, romantic kind of drama, you know, right. like a romantic dramedy type thing. So, <laughs> and if you look at a lot of the credits, I mean, you have the for the director here, which is Peter Chelsom, you've got, you know, Funny Bones, um, Town and Country, then you have Serendipity, and then you have Hannah Montana, the movie. So, I mean, <laughs> we'll see. I mean, you know, maybe he's got something that he's been, uh, you know, he's got Hector and the Search for Happiness. And that was an interesting film and it kind of did some good things. So, Maybe he's got some stuff that he's been wanting to get out with this kind of a film that he hasn't been able to itch and scratch with other types of films that he's been a part of. And we'll see kind of where it goes. I'm not super excited about it. You know, the main writers for this film, uh, you know, the main writer, I should say, not the story by, but the writing credit is for Alan Loeb. And he did Just Go With It. And he did The Switch and he did 21. And so not necessarily the most exciting writing credits for yeah. me either on that one, but I do agree that the cast has some potential. I think, um, I agree. Aza Butterfield, um, or Aza, is it Aza? Uh, you know, I don't Aza, know. Aza, you don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I think he can do a good acting job. I think Carlo Gugino and Gary Oldman can both do a good acting job depending oh, yeah. upon the role they're in. I think Britt did a decent enough job with, uh, Tomorrowland. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll yeah. see. Um, 
and yeah, so check it out. If you guys go check these out uh, this weekend, let us know what you thought about them. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Shoot us an email. But yeah, that wraps up our upcoming film talk. Uh, next, I want to take a few minutes and talk about a couple of news items that actually dropped mm. uh, within the last day or so. Yeah. Um, the first one, and just spend a little bit of time on it because we don't know a lot about this film yet, but... Um, they, uh, and when I say they, you know, that <laughs> the powers that powerful be or something, they, yeah. uh, released the very first image for oceans eight, which is going to be a female driven, uh, cast of the oceans 11. It yeah. takes place in the oceans 11 universe and it's going to be, um, eight people this time. And they are going to be pulling off heists. Now, we don't have any synopsis about this film yet. Yeah. Um, the one thing that we do know, and the image is okay. It's essentially just the people sitting on a train, which I can only imagine they're either going to pull off a heist or they're all <laughs> going out to eat to din- eat yeah. dinner or something yeah. together. Um, I don't know. But uh, there there are some big names in, yeah. this, in this movie. You have um, Sandra Bullock. You have Kate Blanchett, Anne Hathaway, Mindy Kaling, Sarah Paulson, Aquafina, not your water bottle. <laughs> the actor Aquafina. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Rihanna. Yeah. And then uh, Helena Bonham uh, Carter. Mm. And- I hear that, and there is there are a ton of really really talented people in that lineup. Yeah, um, and maybe some that aren't extremely talented, but you could see where they're going. Like, okay, they have Mindy Kaling. Okay, yeah. she's probably going to be the comic relief. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, her and Aquafina, just because of the way that they uh, she has done her comedy stuff on TV, but um, Sandra Bullock looks like it's going to pull the star. Now there are some. It's it's connected to the. Ocean's Eleven universe, there is some uh, talk that Sandra Bullock's character is Danny Ocean's sister. Okay, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I didn't I didn't really know this was a thing. I, know I they didn't either, yeah. Talked about it. I thought it Je- is news to me. They said something about um, Jennifer Lawrence was attached to it at some point in time. I don't know what happened with right. that, but... Um, Regardless, I don't know. I there's not a lot to talk about yeah. other than it's there. I'm I'm excited to see what happens with this uh, collaboration of all these really talented people. Yeah, you know, I would agree with that. I so I will say a couple things. the The cast for the most part does look okay. There's some good names in there for sure. Rihanna, I you know, I'm not super <laughs> excited about that, but you know, I'm guessing they probably aren't going to give her a huge role. And if you watch the original Ocean films, which I've seen the other the the original three, eleven, twelve, and thirteen. The cast kind of, there was certain characters that had a more prominent role in the film right. as there needs to be. And then there were certain characters that kind of had more of a backseat type. They were kind of long for the ride, but they had their own developed character. And I think Rihanna will probably be one of those yeah, characters. And yeah. some of them maybe the not greatest actors. Um, if the director knows what they're doing, they'll kind of put the more prominent actors in the more prominent roles. Yeah. So, and you have Gary Ross, according to what I'm seeing here, who's yep. on for directing. And I think he's one of those directors that does films that, they're weird. They're like a high level kind of drama. You know, you've got Pleasantville, you've got Seabiscuit, Hunger Games, where it's like they go deep, but they don't go that deep. You know, they're not superly dramatic. Right. So he could do well. I think this he could is do a different, well. Yeah, it's a different kind of film for him than what I would expect for him to put together. If you watched, you know, again, the original one, two, and the original one, two, and three films, they had a style. They had a stylistic feel of being very kind of real, but almost kind of like, um, I don't know what you call it, like casino, like swinging, you know, type things with, you know, yeah. the, the rat pack type feel, the, mm-hmm. you know, everything. And I've just, I haven't seen that type of thing done recently very much to 
to hit that type of a vibe. Yeah. And I haven't seen him do anything like that. So what, I'm wondering if he's going to try and develop his own sort of, you know, culture and feeling with these movies, with these girls and the way that they're going to do it. And I don't know. So I, I, I kind of need a little bit more info before yeah, I think there's I can not make a lot an effective, out there. Yeah. Um, and kind a, of an opinion. Kind of cool to, to see just a little bit of, of yeah. that process well, getting started. And the one negative thing I will say about this for me is that I, I, I kind of saw everything I needed to see with Oceans 11, 12, <laughs> right. and 13. I, I didn't feel like there was any elements to the story that I was like, okay, yeah, I hope they pick that up in a later film. Right, it was right. kind of like, all right, I've gotten the idea of this concept. So, so. Here, here's hoping that they have a good story that kind of brings this <laughs> other other dimension to it. Um, Gary Absolutely. Ross, just a side note, um, I think he's good, really good on the dramatic side, kind of like what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I, his action sensibilities, I don't think are really there. Agreed, yeah. Um, in the Hunger Games, you could see that apparently. That's really, in my opinion, where that movie fell flat was yeah. when the action sequences kind of yeah. happened. But I think he, I think he does have the potential to to bring this to a place where it can be successful and just good overall. Um, but yeah, that's that's really it for that. Uh, the other piece of news that I wanted to cover was uh, there's an official go to the Splinter Cell movie, which is another video game <laughs> movie. Oh, no. They just don't have a great track record no, video don't. game movies. But um, Tom Hardy has been attached to this movie for years. Yes. And it just hasn't happened. He's been a busy guy, yeah. understandably. Tom Hardy's great. I really like the guy. Um, but they, uh, it's, it's a go, and the studio is saying that it's, it's going to try and be a departure from the game. Which I never, I didn't play the game, so I'm not really attached to it in that way. And yeah. they just want it to be a really, really awesome action movie. It's going to be a detached. Uh, it's going to be. It's going to kind of go away from the spy element that you might see in like the Bourne films or like uh, the Bond films. Yeah. And really be just its own thing. And I think that could be a good thing. I think if it's not relying too many on too, those, like stereotypes and cliches that those types of movies bring. Yeah. And even just getting away from feeling like it has to be fan service to the Splinter Cell film or yeah. games, yeah, I think I think there's a lot of potential. I'm <laughs> I'm so optimistic when, when there's a new <laughs> video game movie coming out, um, and I want I want there to be a win. <laughs> I want the, I want video game movies to have a win. So I think there's a potential here, but I guess I think we'll just have to wait <laughs> oh, and see. <laughs> I'm sorry I laughed when you said that. I I would love for there to be a potential here, but I, okay. Uh, the sad thing about this is, you know, you know, I, I was holding out hope for Assassin's Creed, you know. Me and too. The thing was, is you know, you've got Michael Fassbender in there. You've got like a pre, you've got a pretty good production group. You've got a great, you know, overall sense of this film could be something right. with that film, and it still flopped so hard. What happened? You know, and <sighs> so it's. I would love to say that the fact that Tom Hardy now is 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 part of this project that that potentially could mean really good things and really good possibilities. But I <laughs> I don't trust that. You know, you've right. we've been disappointed so many times. You know, with this type of film, it, it, it's there's been a lot of big name actors and actresses that have signed up for these video game films and they've all flopped. Okay. Well, you know, if it's not this one, then I'm going to hope and pray for <laughs> uh, the new Tomb Raider, which is going to be starring Alicia Vikander and uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that's, that's really it for the news segments. Awesome. Um, there's, there's not a, a other news, you know, going on right now, but uh that's all we got for that. Cool. Well, that is going to be all for our podcast then. And we just want to thank you all again for listening in. And it's been really cool to have you guys here listening for this podcast. We just want to rent, uh, rent, 
mention, can't get that word out here, <laughs> mention here at the very end, uh, definitely how you can get connected with us. Again, it's the last day to sign up for the contest. Last day. And we would love to also hear any questions or comments about anything that we've talked about or any films that we might not have gotten to. We would love to hear thoughts and views on those. You can contact us at our email address, which is realreviewmedia at gmail.com. And as always, real is spelled R-E-E-L. And you can connect with us on our website and get connected to our newsletter or get connected with us on Facebook. Our website is realreviewmedia.com and our Facebook page is realreview, uh, I'm sorry, facebook.com slash realreviewmedia. Nailed it. Awesome. So anything else, Matt? No, that's it. All right. Well, it's been real. It's been real.